You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe on this lovely Monday morning. What up, Jake Martin from the Washita Citizen? What's up? How we doing? Good. Hope everybody had a fantastic weekend. Plenty to discuss and break down. A lot of different subjects this morning, Jake. Lots, yeah. We've had a lot to cover. We've had some state championship games. Mm-hmm. We've had the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. We've had a lot of baseball. Mm-hmm. Where would you like to start, sir? Also NBA playoffs. Pels, of course. Uh, we don't want to bring that up. Game one versus the Warriors. We're trying to forget that. Uh, first, I think we need to start with uh, we have some state champions and some state championships to celebrate. Uh, four area teams uh, come home from Sulphur with titles. Well done. Washita Girls, Caldwell, Cedar Creek, and Oak Grove. Yeah, and how thrilling, how dramatic was that comeback victory for Washita? Down seven to nothing. And came back to win that game 10-9. to What a thrilling way to win the state championship game. This is Tim Whitman's day. You know, he always gets on us about not talking about softball. Well, you deserve some softball talk today, sir. He will join us at 7.30. Uh, Caldwell, of course, with that state championship. How about the run that Cedar Creek had through their bracket? Added it up, 45-2 uh, and two overall combined score in the postseason Whew. for Cedar Creek. I think that would be domination. I think so, yeah. They won the title game 7 and nothing over False River, and Oak Grove won a squeaker against LaSalle 2-1. to one. Unfortunately, uh, Mangum loses a heartbreaker in the 2A championship game to Doyle 3-2, to two, and Forrest lost 14 and nothing to Holden. Mm. Richie says, Jake, we also had an infinity war. Yes, we did, Richie, and it was great, by the way. Baseball playoffs also continue, of course, uh, Mixed reviews on the number of teams advancing on after the second round. Yeah, um, I think first we need to talk about Neville because, man, that was a thrilling series. They go in and stun DeRitter and win game one. And then game two, DeRitter wins that one, you know, 11 to nothing. So then game three begins, and it's a seesaw battle. They're tied, I believe, four to four in the fifth inning or so. And. Ultimately, DeRitter ends up scoring two runs and wins that game 6-5 to five, uh, in a thriller. So, Neville uh, will not repeat in 2018, but, man, they gave it a, a, heck of a, a heck of a shot against the number three team in 4A. Cedar Creek boys also lose in uh, the second round, but then, of course, the good news, uh, Sterlington continues to roll. OCS had to sweat one out, but they eventually win in a three-game series. West Washita also moving on. West Washtenaw also pretty dominant, but you know the I'm glad you said the OCS series because it was very strange. They won two games ten to nothing and lost one six to four. So I think you, I would still call that domination. But yes, they had to win a game three. There were other teams, of course, from North uh, Louisiana still in the hunt for championships. We'll go through the playoff brackets a little bit later in the show. Staying on the diamond for college uh, baseball, I guess you'd have to start with another thrilling win for Louisiana Tech as they take care of business in dramatic fashion, and they went in the 11th. Dalton Skelton actually hit a home run to put them ahead against Western Kentucky. They end up winning that series, so they are now 31-15 and 15 overall, 15-6 and six in Conference USA play. Yeah, so that's their sixth conference series to win this season, and now they're second place behind Southern Miss. So now we're all looking at that Southern Miss series in about two weeks and going, yeah, give me that, give me that. Uh, ULM uh, loses by an extra point. 17 to 16 against Coastal Carolina. <laughs> wow. What a crazy game. We look forward to hearing about the details of this series from uh, Nicholas White. He will join us actually for his weekly visit today around 8:15 or so. Big series for LSU going over to Ole Miss. Tigers were able to pick up at least one win. Yeah, uh after that embarrassing loss in game 1, they came back and you know, Mikael Hiller was fantastic in that game 2 and they won that game 5 to 2. And then in the game three on Saturday, they had a seven to four advantage and let that lead evaporate. And, you know, I didn't get to watch the game, but I was reading about it. And apparently there was a bad strike three call on Nick Coombs, which drew, this was in the ninth inning, 
which drew Paul Maneri out of the dugout and got him ejected. So I don't know if he'll be able to coach in the first game against Arkansas. I need to check on that. But, uh, yeah, didn't go exactly the way uh, they had planned. But, you know, you have a chance against Arkansas to, to kind of help your resume because you really need to right now. How odd is it going to be with LSU not going to be hosting a regional this year? It's going to be odd. <laughs> right now they're just trying to make the tournament. <laughs> and it's tough, too, because two out of their three uh, series remaining are top ten in RP- RPI. You know, So, I mean, you have a chance to really boost your RPI, but, you, I mean, these teams are in the top ten for, for a reason. 888-993-7762, you can weigh in. Grambling had the, the weekend off. They have a midweek game against ULM. Tomorrow, G-Men will be looking to sweep that series this year against the Hawks. Yes. And shouldn't we talk about the Pels? Sure. Do we have to? So they lose game one, 123 to 101. A lot of different talking points in this thing. The fact that uh, Steph Curry did not play, but also the disparity in the number of fouls called. Did the Pels get the shaft? No. No, they didn't. Um, So, first of all, you mentioned it. Curry didn't play. And once I saw that news, I was like, got to take advantage of this. Got to win game one. And they didn't. And the thing was, if you take the second quarter out of it, for the majority of the game, it was, you know, very well contested. But the second quarter got away from the Pels. And it was so bad. You know, Draymond Green was muscling around Anthony Davis. I was shocked to see that. Um, and the the – the defensive, they lost their focus on defense, the Pelicans did. And they ended up giving up like 75 first-half points, which was ridiculous. And uh, Rondo said after the game that, listen, we, we lost <coughs> our focus in the second quarter, and if we, we if we focus on that moving forward, I think we'll be fine. And I hope that's the case. But, man, you saw firsthand just why the Warriors are so difficult to beat Golden State. Because mm. when they get rolling and that crowd gets behind them, it's like those runs they go on, they just seem endless. And it's it's very tough to, to battle back against that when you're the road team. But, man, I thought that was a great opportunity for the Pelicans to, to still game one without Curry. And even without Curry, they were no match for the, for the Warriors. So with one minute remaining in the second quarter, Golden State had 23 free throw attempts while New Orleans had two. By the end of the night, the Warriors had attempted a 32 free throws, the Pels only 11. Yeah, but I'm not sitting here crying that they were shafted. And then Alvin Gentry, of course, uh, he had his opportunities. He had he had a little bit of a blow up. You remember a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago? Mm-hmm. I think it was after what the Houston game. Uh, so he joked with reporters. He said, "I wish I could go Russell Westbrook on you right now. <laughs> We've got to do better. We have to do better. We have to play better. We have to execute better. We have to rebound better. We've got to complete shots in the lane." Yeah. That's right. He's right. And uh, Westbrook is out of the postseason. As I was say, speaking of Westbrook, <laughs> I loved those fan interactions that he had, those, those two little interactions. One, when he was going off to the locker room and the guy from Utah, the fan from Utah, was shouting something, and all Westbrook would say is it was something disrespectful. Mm-hmm. And Westbrook turns around and gets in his face, and the guy just melts. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't know what to do. It's like that is Twitter 101. Like I will say whatever I can on this phone, but if it comes face to face, he's literally trying to hide under his chair. He was. I was like, that is perfect. That is America today. Like people will say whatever they want behind a screen, but when it comes down to saying it face to face, they are a lot of them aren't man enough. It was actually what two because the other one at the end of the game when he swiped the phone. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, and that was a bit much. I think that was a bit of an overreaction, but I can see why. That came after you know, everything that came before it. And then in the post-game press conference, just bashes Utah fans, <laughs> saying uh, NBA well, fans are I, rough in opposing stadiums or arenas, but uh, Utah fans are the worst. He did, and, and I love what he said too—the the fact that you know they wouldn't say this, they wouldn't come up to the street and say this to my face. So I'm not going to let them get away with it here. Good for you, Westbrook. Mm. LeBron's still in the postseason. It takes a huge effort against you. Indiana, but uh, he gets it done with the 45 points. He brought his cape, and I tell you, my favorite part of that game was when the camera kind of panned in on him, and I don't know who he was talking to, but he said, I'm, I'm staying in the whole game. I'm playing the whole game. And he just about did. Uh, superhuman effort from him. It's it's crazy 
you know, to see him put put the team on his back and be able to win that series because, you know, when you look at how Oladipo played in that series, I thought Oladipo was fantastic mm-hmm. in that series. This was a star-making series, I think, for him. Like, I think a lot of people are going to be excited to see him again. But in talking about LeBron, I think he can do it again against the Raptors because I just don't have faith in the Raptors. Even though the Raptors are overall a better team, I just, again, I don't have the faith in them winning that series. But I don't think he's getting much past the the Raptors. I don't know how long he can keep this up Mm. is what I'm trying to say. Like, against the Sixers, there's no way uh, if the Sixers get past Boston, which I think they will. But, uh, yeah, it was a a big-time performance from him. But ultimately, you know, this just goes to show you that if you're you're looking forward to a Warriors-Cavs final skin, Mm. I got some bad news for you. The flip side, if you're Indiana, what it blew them out two of the games, two of their wins, and the other games that they lost, they were right there. Yeah. Just could not close out. That LeBron. game six game was <laughs> so bad for the Cavs. Yeah. Uh, Houston Astros update as we have adopted them this year. They have now won two in a row. They win the last two games <laughs> against Oakland. <laughs> That is pathetic. What? Uh, our update. That's the kind of knowledge. They uh, won 8-6 uh, to six yesterday. On Saturday, they shut out the Oakland A's. Boom. 11 nothing. Yeah. Oh, big series with the uh, Yankees. Oh, we're looking forward to that one. Yeah. Aaron will break that one down for you later. At home versus the Yankees. Mm. NFL draft has wrapped up. A lot of different talking points, and we certainly probably should get into that in the next segment. We'll go through the Saints' complete draft and, of course, uh, a lot of local kids. Uh, not many of them heard their phone ring during the draft, but afterwards, of course, inking some free agent deals. Louisiana Tech's uh, Boston Scott, though, was drafted by the Saints in the sixth round. In fact, just the second player ever from Louisiana Tech to be drafted by the New Orleans Saints. The first one turned out uh, okay for the Saints. Yes. Will, Willie Rose. Yes. So, um, Boston Scott will actually join us live on the show uh-huh. at 830. There you go. Plug that sucker. Um, no, that it was, I don't really know where to start with the draft because there were a lot of different he- little storylines. I guess we can get to that in the next segment, but, um, I also thought it was interesting that right after they, uh, select Boston Scott, they go with Ethan Posey, mm. which was big for the state. Cause everybody's like, finally, they got an LSU player, mm. but, uh, yeah, we can get in all that. It's all part of, uh, the starting line that brought to you by Louisiana Pain Care. The starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. Are you crying? Starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. Let's not crying. Let's get to the starting lineup. Love to hear your biggest takeaways from the weekend. You can hit us up on the Stuart Shelby hotline slash text line 888-993-7762. Go to stuartshelby.com for a free quote. We'll talk some state championship softball coming up at the bottom of the hour. Tim Whitman from the 5A State Champs will join us at 7.30. ULM's got a big event coming up this week. It's called Night of Champions. Associate AD out at ULM, Stephen Farmer, will join us at 7.45. Nicholas White, we bumped him up a little bit. He will join us at 8.15. And at 8.30, the newest member of the New Orleans Saints, Boston Scott, joins us. like it. I like it. Yeah, and in the next segment, we will break down the NFL draft, talk about the the coolest stories, we'll talk some uh, local angles, and we'll get your thoughts. Let us know, 888-993-7762. And my favorite new player in the National Football League. Shaquem Griffin? Second. Shaquem second. Okay. Your... Oh, yes. Yes. I can't wait. That's coming up after yes. the break. The mountain on the football field. That's the man all I'll has say. yet to step on the field ever to play football, but he is heading to the NFL. I'll tell you, like you hear about it, you hear that they drafted somebody who's never played, and you're like, "What are they thinking?" Yeah. And then you see the highlights, and you're like, "Okay, I get it. Yeah. I understand." I drafted him too. I would have <laughs> took him a little higher. That story coming up after the break on the morning drive. All right, let's start off this segment right. You got a correction, and I got an apology to make. <laughs> Yeah, uh, for some reason I said Ethan Poshik while I was thinking of Will Clap. I'm sorry. Will Clap, yes. And I apologize for Friday. We were all excited about giving away those tickets to the Warriors. Yes. The the Pels game four hyped it up throughout the entire show and then said, oh, last segment, we're going to give away the tickets and didn't give them away. (laughs) I mean, is that like a tease or what? Is that like the the hot girl in high school? Pretty much. I'll go out on a date with you. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Uh, Sean and them did give away the tickets later that day. Yes, 
but we dropped the ball. Yes. There's no other way to put it. Maybe it's because we're not used to giving away stuff. That's probably it. We usually never have anything to give away. So the one time we did, and what do we do? Didn't yeah. even get it right. So good luck uh, letting us give something else away. <laughs> as soon as the show went off, I said, I think we forgot something. And then sure enough, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what we do. It's what we do. All right. That's what we do. All right, uh, let's go through uh, the NFL draft a little bit. We'll break down uh, the Saints and some of the major talking points. What uh, were the best moments from the draft? But first, I think we need to just go through the list of uh, local guys and them signing undrafted free agent contracts. Uh, Martez Carter, you heard from him on the show. Of course, the former Grambling running back, he inks a deal with the Redskins. Montreal Meander, of course, from Grambling, the defensive back that put up some eye-popping numbers. Uh, he signs a free agent deal, rookie free agent deal with the Browns. John DeArce, you heard from him on Friday. Actually went out to his uh, draft uh, party on Friday night. Great event. A lot of people there to support John. Uh, he signs with uh, the Broncos. We mentioned Boston Scout, who will join us at 830. He gets drafted in the sixth round. J.D. Moore, from formerly of Ruston, what he his career has been remarkable, a former walk-on. Uh, he will get a, a chance with the Chiefs. You got KJ Malone, former Cedar Creek standout. He will uh, give it a try with the Texans. Cam Sims, former Washita standout, went off to Alabama. He inks a deal with the Bengals. Jared Kraft, former Louisiana Tech running back with the Steelers. Trent Scott, former offensive lineman from Grambling. Uh, he got a free agent rookie deal with the Chargers. And I'm sure I min- missed one or two, but that's yeah. what I got right now. Still waiting on Devontae Kincaid. Devontae Kincaid, I thought, would have. I, I would have, too, yeah. I'm, and Jonathan I'm Barnes, too? Yes. Um, surprised at both of those. Yes. And here's another one. Yes, it's KJ, not Katie. Yes, I realize that. My bad. Sometimes my handwriting. <laughs> we yes. got the case of the Mondays. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. Um, before I forget, because I wanted to talk to you about this so bad when it happened. Okay. Danny Etling to the Patriots. Yes. To the Patriots. I'm watching Saturday, and as this thing unfolds, and for some reason I enjoy day three a a lot on the NFL draft just because, you know, they have to dig through their research department, and then they really test McShay and Kuyper with their knowledge. So they're they're going through, and, of course, they talk about LSU wide receivers, and and it was just literally 30 minutes before Etling gets drafted, and they were just, ah, you know, they didn't have much of a passing attack whether it was the, you know, their offensive philosophy or maybe it was just quarterback play, but the Tigers just struggled. And then literally minutes later, oh, the pick is in. The Patriots have found a replacement for Tom Brady. He goes by the name of Danny Ellen. Wait, okay, so I wasn't watching. Why did they – why were they talking about the, the passing game before Atlanta? Uh, because they were talking about DJ Shark and other wide receivers in the past. I see. So then uh, then Etling, and then they're like, oh, oh Danny Etling. So then Kuyper's kind of, you know, all right. And then Wingo asks him the question and says, you know, uh, Edelman used to be a, 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 a quarterback in college. Do you think they may be thinking about Danny Etling in another <laughs> position? <laughs> and I was just like – no. <laughs> Obviously, Wingo has not watched uh, many LSU games. Uh, look, so, yeah, Danny Etling, an inside receiver for the Patriots next year. You know what I thought about, though, whenever he got drafted? I thought about the fact that whoever his confidant was, talking about Danny Etling, yeah. I'm sure he, he talked to them and he was like, listen, the Patriots are really interested in me, and they're talking about even selecting yeah. me. And if you're his confidant, you're like, Okay, Danny, that sounds great. Good for you, buddy. Like you just, there's no way you believe that. But to see him get drafted, it was shocking. Um, but it also made me happy because I think he was a lot better than people gave him credit for. Now, I, I do not see him as an NFL quarterback at all, just because of that arm strength. Yeah. You gotta have arm strength in the NFL. I know that's not the most important thing, but you know, it, he he has impressed with his ability to overcome that. You know, I thought he did a great job of doing that at LSU, and I would always defend him, you know, because you would come in here and bash him. i say, well, listen, he's a lot better than what they've had. He is a competent quarterback, even if he does like the arm shape and can't make all the throws. I don't know how that works in the NFL, mm-hmm. though, especially with an NFL game that continues to evolve to this, you know, to favor the quarterbacks. Richie says Etling is a Brady clone. Go compare their stats as a senior. <laughs> yeah, but come on. <laughs> Brady has a lot more arm strength. I thought it was fascinating just to watch, uh, you know, 
typer have to backpedal. Uh huh. You like the whole production of it. Yeah. It was good. Uh, then the other thing, the production size comes out in that Philadelphia picks a football player or a player that has never played football before in his life. And you're saying, who is this rugby player? And then he's actually there at the draft and he's six foot eight, 350 pounds. So you're like, oh, all right. And then they put the footage on of him playing rugby. And it looks literally like a man-child playing with kids. It looks literally like the mountain from the Game of Thrones, just running on a football yeah. field. And, and you're watching people just bounce off of yes. it. It's incredible. This guy's thick. Really uh, athletic, too. 345 pounds, yeah. is that right? Six foot eight. God. A project on the offensive line. I'm about it. Like, yeah. I, I am fully on board with this pick. Mm. You know, after seeing that, I was like, yeah, I, I got to see this guy mm. in action. Mm. Uh, other things that stood out later on the show, we'll play uh, David Aker's uh, clip for you as he <laughs> stepped up to the mic and just bashed the Cowboy fans. It was certainly memorable. But before we get into the Saints, uh, this was a big talking point we had last week and the week before that, just Darius Geis and yeah. where he would fall. And that is a big storyline is uh, he dropped and he dropped like a rock. Well, and then it comes out, I think it was Rappaport that came out and said that he had gotten into a shouting match with the Eagles. And, you know, it was it was previously reported that he was having some really bad meetings with teams and that he was tardy and all this other stuff. But, you know, for him to say that he actually got into a shouting match with the Eagles, now it starts to make sense as to why you're seeing running back after running back. Because I talked about it Friday. You know, Rashad Penny over him makes no sense. Makes no sense at all to me. And then – you know, when you get to Ronald Jones and people like that going over him, I'm like, okay. Dante Jackson went ahead of him. Well, yeah, but I'm talking about running yeah, backs. I'm just saying overall, you know, though. Yeah, but but still, like when you're starting to look at these other running backs get selected, and you're just like, it's something, something has happened. And so I, it does make that story believable. Uh, but man, the Redskins got a first round talent. There's no doubt about it. And, it. and listen, if you thought he ran angry before, wait till you see him now. Mm. Trey Quinn, a former LSU uh, Tiger, then went off to SMU, actually skipping his senior year. He was actually uh, Mr. Irrelevant, the final pick in the NFL mm -hmm. draft. A lot of guys that you think, man, maybe they should have came back for another year. Yeah, and that was I was kind of doing that looking at LSU. That's an annual thing. But if you look at it, like Kevin Tolliver, and I know he had his issues kind of working his way into the lineup, wouldn't play sometimes, and just kind of some different issues. But – Still, I think he would have benefited from a very thin cornerback core at LSU. And then Toby Weathersby. But that one's kind of a different situation because of the hurricane stuff, with uh, because of the Houston stuff. And, and, you know, there are reports that his family needed the money. And so, you know, how much can you, can you fault a guy for that? But you would think that he would have made more money if he would have stayed and continued to progress as an offensive lineman. Mm. But, yeah. And then the worthless exercise that now goes on where everybody wants to grade the drafts by each franchise. Yeah. So let's look, of course, at the the Saints. First round, we broke it down on Friday with uh, Davenport being picked up from t Texas San Antonio. They get the, the pass rush need that they needed. They gave up a lot for him. Then the Saints don't pick again till the third round, and they pick up a wide receiver from Central Florida. Yeah, by the way, I read a great story on Davenport. Uh, Bleach Report did it. I encourage you to just Google Davenport Bleach Report. It was a really good story about – uh, him and, and what he went through in college and what he went through in the Senior Bowl and how, uh, I guess, what the potential is there for, for Davenport. Now, about um, Traquan, this is – I like this pick because it seemed to be one of those picks where he was the highest on the board at the time for them, so they so they took him. And it, what impressed me most is this is a great wide receiver that blocks down the field. He blocks down the field. He's a big play guy. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be – you know, a guy you rely on going through traffic, you know, but you've got other guys for that. But uh, as far as big playability, uh, he, he could definitely fill that role. By the way, uh, Larry Holder gave uh, the Saints a B for Davenport and for Smith, a grade of B for the third round pick. Fourth round, they go uh, on the offensive line, Florida State, Rick Leonard, tackle. It seemed like they reached a little bit here. Uh, if you look at, I think it was Mel Kuyper's, uh, when he his rankings, his position rankings, he, he had Leonard as the number 28 tackle. Uh, so it did feel like a bit of a reach. But, again, I, and I'll say this multiple times, 
the front office has earned our trust for the last two years. So let's just wait and see. Maybe they see something we all don't see. But I will say, like, just first glance looking at that, I was a little bit surprised they took Leonard there. Holder gives that pick a C-. minus. There you go. In the fifth round, uh, defensive back Jamerson from Wisconsin. Yeah, they went with uh, a couple of defensive backs. They went with Jamerson, and then they went with uh, Moore from Boston College. So they're stacking up that uh, defensive backfield. I'm going to have some competition there. Uh, you go a little bit farther down in the draft, and then, of course, Boston Scott from Louisiana Tech. You'll hear from Boston live on the show coming up at 8.30. Holder likes that pick. Of course, he gives it a grade of a B. says uh, he should be a nice little compliment if, of course, uh, Ingram or Kamara need a little rest and perhaps give them a little bit of a return specialist as well. Yeah, and then they closed it out with Will Clapp, not Ethan Posick, <laughs> Will Clapp, uh, which was big. I, I thought it was, uh, you know, Will Clapp was a really good offensive lineman for LSU, and I think that's going to be add some depth to that front. I don't know if he's the future up there, but uh, I think he'll be a really good backup to have. More draft news and notes coming up later in this show. Let's take a timeout. Coming up next, a few state softball championships returning to North Louisiana, including one out at Washita. Lady Lions head coach Tim Whitman joins us after the break. Welcome back to the show on Sports Talk 97.7. Keep the text coming at 888-993-7762. We'll get to a number of them after our next guest. Our next guest, friend of the program from Washita, Tim Whitman the head coach of the 5A state champs. How's that sound, Coach? Uh, that sounds pretty good this morning, guys. How y'all doing? Good. Uh, first of all, a banner year for Northeast Louisiana with uh, four state champions coming back. Overall, how did you think it played out down in Sulphur with just them hosting the festivities again this tournament and uh, how it went down there? You know, uh, pretty good. Uh, that, that complex is set up to, to host um, this kind of event. You know, there's always some uh, bumps and bruises and different things that uh, go wrong or whatever, and you know that you disagree with. But it's a it's a big undertaking when you have 98 teams down there. But uh, great weather, boys. Beautiful weather all weekend, and uh, it's fun time. There's a number of uh, complexes opening across this state. Heck, Ruston's going to have one. Sterling's already opened up theirs. Do you think there will ever be a day that somebody can wrestle that tournament away from Sulphur? You know, there's a lot of talk down there about that. You know, every time, anytime somebody has it that long, you know, they get a little complacent in terms of some of the things they provide or, or do things. And, and, new, and new tournaments, new, new venues are, are willing to take over. And um, I know that they're, they're talking about that. I, I had a conversation with one of the executive uh, committee members down there while I was there and um, talking about the bids coming back open here next year. And so I feel like there's going to be some, definitely some play involved with some other uh, places. And um, with the, they're changing it to where semifinals and finals are the only thing played there next year. And so if that's the case, then, then they don't have to have quite as many fields. And that definitely opens up some other venues. And I think there will be some competition for, for some other places because I think some places are really set up now with the, with the turf fields and the, just the new facilities to do it. Do you like the current uh, format, the fact that you have to win three games in two days down there? You know, uh, the, the softball committee was the one that suggested the, the, the three games in three days, and I understand the reasoning, and that would be great, you know, if, if, that, was, if that was logistically possible. But with, with the, the split going on right now with the private and the public, it's almost impossible to split it up into three days without starting on Monday. And the expense there would be just, you know, it, it's already expensive. Uh, you know, people don't understand, you know, we get money for playing in this tournament, but it's not anywhere close to what it costs us to go there. We lose money to go play in the state tournament uh, itself for, for three days. And so if you spread it over three or four days or five or six days, then, then it really, you know, really gets to a point where the schools just have trouble affording that kind of, um, that kind of uh, length. And so, you know, um, I wish they could do it um, three days, but I, but I would rather have three teams down, or three uh, rounds down there than not have three rounds down there. So leaving it like it is would be better for me. All right, Tim, so I'm sure your message to your team going into the title game, let's get off to a fast start and, and of course, uh, have momentum on your side. And then you go out and you fall behind 7 to nothing. What are you thinking? Well, you know, um, I didn't feel like we um, – we, I feel like we were going to score runs. So that was that was not an issue, I thought. Um, 
umpire strike zone was tight. We knew it going in. We knew we, we, we've had him actually in other uh, um, championships before, um, so we knew who he was and knew, and knew the, the umpire. The um, the issue was is whether it's me calling pitches, I could figure out a way to get these people out. You know, they swung the bats pretty well. Ellie was a uh, uh, LRB was exact. Uh, you know, was, was a second game. She was a little tired, but she you know she was still okay and ready to go. Our trainer did a good job of getting her ready and. But I just, you know, we, we just didn't didn't have a plan for them, evidently, the, the right way. We changed a few things up and, um, you know, made some adjustments to keep them from scoring. But I felt like we would score, but, man, I was just hoping we could get them out. And we started doing that, and, and then the momentum switched shifted our way. So do you call them together when you're down 7 to nothing, or you just lean on the, their experience and their leadership to kind of get you through? No, we had a little bit of a meeting. Um I had two things going for me. Mallory Vining was in my dugout. She's, you know, one of our young assistant coaches at student assistant from ULM. And she's been on the state championship team. She was there when we played East Ascension there and down nine to one. So she sort of pulled uh, Allie Ellerby to the side and sort of gave her the speech and, and everything. And we talked to everybody as a team and just said, hey, look, we're hitting the ball. We're squaring it up. Even in the first two innings when we didn't score, we'd hit some real hard shots at people. And um, so, you know, we said, look, you just keep doing what we do and just keep swinging at good pitches. Stay focused on that, like we talked about. You know, let's score runs, play defense. We will get back in this thing. The kids, you know, didn't have a panic in their eyes. One thing about this group, we played a good schedule all year. You know, they had, you know, come back some at, at some point. Never a seven nothing deficit come back, but um, they were not panicked. They were they were pretty relaxed uh, considering the situation, and uh, just kept swinging it. And then we opened up and scored some in the third in that inning. And, and, you know, and, and got back relaxed and then I think put a little pressure on the other team then once, once the momentum changed. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. How did y'all flip the switch? How did y'all change the momentum in that game? Well, I think it was just that one big inning. But, you know, the main thing was is we just said one bat at a time, one swing at a time. Just You just worry about your at-bat. You just keep having good at-bats. And, and we did, you know, in the first inning when we opened up and scored those runs in that first big inning, we had two big walks. Uh, we we loaded the bases with a walk, a hit, and then a walk. You know, and then the walk, it wasn't just four balls and she walked. It was we fouled off some pitches and fouled off some pitches and some three-two counts. And finally, you know, she threw a bad one or whatever, and she walked us. And so, you know, we just had, had some great at-bats there, even though it wasn't maybe smashes. And then, then some of us squared them up and hit them in the gaps and, you know, and really started opening it up a little bit and, and, uh, you know, and, and also luck goes your way sometimes. You know, you had, we had one sort of go off the pitcher a little bit, so we scored from third, you know. But uh, they had some breaks too early when they scored some runs. So it was just mainly just concentrating on one at bat at a time. And, and when they did that, boy, they, they got they put some hits together. And my lineup, you know, uh, one through nine is capable of doing that. I, that was a, what I was pleased about looking back over the whole three days or the three games is, boy, we did it from all nine people in the spot. I mean, there was – there was somebody in, in all nine positions that were really getting some key at-bats at certain times. And it wasn't just one person. You know, you have, you have an MVP in Liz Allen, but, you know, there were some other people that were hot. So many people hit some home runs in certain, certain games. But, man, my lineup was just really, really top to bottom was, was really putting pressure on people and scoring from different places and picking some people up when it needed to. And that's the, that's the whole thing about this, you know, this game of team, you know, is, is your team does it. And this was really a team effort. Washita head coach Tim Whitman joins us on the Stuart Shelby Hotline as uh, Northeast Louisiana celebrates four state championships, Washita, Caldwell, Cedar Creek, Oak Grove. So obviously, Tim, uh, this part of the state fared pretty well. Overall, does that kind of handicap where we sit now in this state as we bring home that many titles? Yeah, you know, I, I think so. I, I think going in we thought we had, you know, and we were in the running for some other ones, West Washita and Mangum, you know, uh, in the finals. There, you know, so there were some other teams that were that were right there as well, and 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 I think it shows that this 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 area is definitely, you know, they always talk about the Baton Rouge areas being all this is it, this is this, and you know, they're the great area of softball. But I think we've proved that, um, especially in the last couple of years, you know, it's definitely has changed and shifted to where we're holding our own in this area, you know, and Trey and Oak Grove have won, you know, they won it both years we've won it, and so, um, you know, it's it's really a um, a testament to to the softball in this area and how much it's, it's, it's gotten better. Tim, we've talked a lot about the split. Does a, a championship for these girls or these athletes, does it feel watered down or does it have an asterisk or that's just us media schmoes and others that continue to bash the split? You know, um, you know, I, I, I'm not a big opponent, a big, you know, big, big fan of the split as well. You know, I think there's some, you know, definitely some depth issues now. 5A is a little different animal. Oh my gosh, it, there's teams there that, um, 
that are that are um, unbelievable, you know, depth wise. And, and it could even be better if we'd have brought in a Mount Carmen or John Curtis. We played them both this year. We beat them both this year, but they were both good teams, and they could have definitely been, you know, something that would have made it even tougher, you know, to get through for for everybody. Maybe some of the smaller divisions are not as deep, but you know that that last four or five games is is pretty tough, no matter who you are. And so as and for the girls wise, they understand, you know, that they're playing pretty heavy competition there at towards the end. So it may not be as deep of a run, but the top three or four in each class are still strong. And, um, you know, and it makes for a pretty good state tournament when, at the end. You know, um, you, you can't take away from, from these kids when they've earned it. You know, that, this is it's, it's tough to get there. You know, people sometimes think it's as easy and, you know, and we take it for granted sometimes when we win a few. But, um, and it takes it takes a lot of um, a lot of effort. It takes a little bit of luck. And um, it, it's definitely still something that's, that's very valuable, whether it's, it's a split or not. All right, finally, uh, you got a state championship, and now you look at some of these national polls, and you guys are ranked right up there, and I think Max Preps has you number one in the country. What do you make of that? Well, you know, uh, they have two – Max Preps has two polls. They have a, a coach's poll, which is just a few people in the area, in the different areas and trying to, trying to thing, and then they have a computer poll, and they base, base that on records and strength of schedule and teams you play different places. We did go to Houston and play and, and play some good teams there and beat them, and so – uh, right now in that computer ranking, we're ranked number one. And, you know, I don't know. You know, that's all – sometimes those are all sort of, um, um, you know, discretionary depending on who you talk to and how they how they do their certain polls. But it is pretty pretty um, good to be in that, that situation and be honored amongst, amongst those teams because there's some great teams in that top 25. And, and uh, I'm just proud of the kids. Uh, they, they deserve, you know, anything they get from the work they've done. But, um, you know, like I said, I, I don't – this state championship's a lot more – a lot more uh, important to me than, than that poll that Max Preps had. Well, now uh, I guess you uh, start working on uh, raising some funds for the championship rings, right? Yes, that's what I was going to ask both of y'all before y'all got off. You know, what kind of donation y'all would like to bring, you know, uh, by the field, you know, whenever y'all come. You know, big salaries of media people maybe could, uh, you know, donate to the rings, you know, and start helping with the call. All right, we'll work on that. Hey, one final thing. You've been a big Dallas fan. Uh, news last week that uh, Jason Witten was going to retire, go to the booth, uh, still weighing his options. What kind of loss would that be for your Cowboys to lose Witten? Man, uh, you know, I mean, he had fell off a little bit. You know, he, he wasn't quite the threat he was, you know, in years past. But he was still a pretty good threat. You know, he could still block a little bit. You know, still tough to, to handle in the secondary. So I, I think his leadership and, and just there. Uh, wish they'd have got another guy in, a, you know, a little quicker under him, a, a little better. Maybe he could give a little bit more guidance to. But I'm just, I just, the only thing I, was, I understand is whether he told Jerry Jones or he just sort of pulled it on Jerry Jones. I, I don't, I didn't really get all the media reports on that. If he had given him a heads up or not, you know, that he was going to retire this late in the game, this close to the draft. Coach, congratulations on the state championship. Don't be a stranger. Thank you, guys. Appreciate y'all. Tim Whitman. Head coach out at Washita, the 5A state champ. Yeah, and I saw Witten uh, was actually being reported as being the Monday night football mm-hmm. analyst, which would be pretty cool. Still uh, no official word, though. No, he's supposed to meet with Jerry Jones and all that. But, yeah, that would still be cool. 888-993-7762. We'll talk a little bit more NFL draft. Plus, we'll get to a number of your texts coming up in the next segment. Plus, a big event coming out to ULM on Friday. We'll get the lowdown from Associate AD out at ULM, Stephen Farmer, coming up after the break. Keep the text coming, 888-993-7762. We'll get to them in a second. But a big event coming again out to ULM this week, uh, the Night of Champions. Associate AD out at ULM, Stephen Farmer, joins us on the Stuart Shelby Hotline. How are you doing this morning, Stephen? I'm doing great, Aaron. How are you doing? Good. Give us the lowdown. I know this is an event that uh, you guys have every year, and there's a lot of different things that – Fans can uh, bid on in the auction. But first of all, the Night of Champions, what does it consist of? Um, it is Thursday night, May 3rd, from 6 to 8 at uh, Tom and Dean Baker's house on Loop Road. Um, it's an annual event we have that uh, raises money for uh, summer scholarship money. Uh, it's very important for our student-athletes, to, uh, especially football and basketball, to uh, stay in town in the summer and uh, take some classes, and they get to uh, spend time with the with the weight room, street conditioning crew, and uh, get bigger, faster, stronger, and, and also make sure they're uh, 
keeping up with their classes and, and things like that. So it's a, it's a very important thing that we do. We uh, Our summer scholarship costs are about $400,000 a year. So so then uh, the festivities, what does it include or, or what will take place Thursday night? Okay, yeah, so Thursday night, is, uh, you know, like I said, it starts at 6 o'clock. It will be uh, heavy hors d'oeuvres and, uh, and, and spirits, of course, and uh, there will be a, a, a silent auction uh, happening for the first hour and a half or so. And we've got a gr- lot of great uh, – items for that we've got some golf lessons we've got uh uh some uh some tickets for different events we've got a, a cool things we do like we'll do a uh uh candlelight dinner on the 50 yard line for you and your you and your your special someone can have a can have dinner on the on the 50 uh birthday parties that we have on the field um we've got some vip packages where it includes skybox tickets courtside seats and right field line patio for baseball for all of our sports things like that and then Around seven thirty, eight o'clock, that's when we'll have the, the live auction. We've got Mike Eckel as our auctioneer. He's been doing it for a long, long time here in Monroe. And uh, some of the big things we have, we've got a, a trip with a team going on one of our flight trips. This year will be Coastal Carolina or Atlanta for uh, the Georgia State game. And then we've got dinner for four with the governor in, in Louisiana at his mansion. Um, and some other great things like that, dinners with coaches, dinners with people, um, uh, Tickets to the Falcons uh, Cowboys game in Atlanta in their new stadium uh, in a suite uh, in the actually Zaxby's suite for that for this year. So there's a, a lot of fun fun things and a lot of great um, items in the auction. Stephen, for listeners out there that need uh, tickets for Thursday, how can they get them? Uh, you can go to eventbrite.com and uh, uh, purchase them there, or you can uh, if someone wants to get in touch with me, my email address is farmer at ulm.edu, and they're more than welcome to email me, and I can uh, make sure we get them taken care of for Thursday night. Steven, this uh, event coming on the heels of your Doug Peterson event just a week and a half ago. Overall, now that it's behind you, what would you think of it? I thought it was a great event. We, uh, you know, it, it, it was something that was kind of thrown together in about two and a half weeks uh, when Doug finally gave us his commitment to, to come down and, and do the event for us, and we kind of had to – had to rush to get things done, but I think overall it went great. We made some good money for his football program, and uh, it's going to really help our help everything out. And, and Doug was great, and I think Tag Rome did a great job with Doug up there, and I thought it was a, uh, a wonderful event. And, uh, and hopefully it will be a good push for us for uh, people joining the Warhol Club and, and, and buying football season tickets. And the other thing, of course, came out of it, uh, just the, the rebranding with the, the new logo. So now I guess you go about the chore of replacing the old ones with the new ones. Uh, that's got to be quite an endeavor. It is. It absolutely is. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to take some time, Aaron. We're just going to have to, as the new teams buy, buy new uniforms for, for home and away, they'll have to rotate through. And I think football will be able to have uh, new uniforms for some of the other programs. They're going to have to rotate through. And uh, so you'll see some of the old logo. Um, and it's just an, an alteration of it. But you'll, you'll see some of it for a little while while we uh, while we try to make changes. And every day I see something, I'm like, oh, goodness, i got to – we got, we got to make sure we change that and you know, things on our website and things like that. So it's going to be, it's going to be a long process, but uh, I, I've got nothing but positive response from people, so I, I think everybody's very excited about it. Stephen Farmer, once again, I appreciate the time. One more time for listeners out there that want to go to Night of Champions, what do they need to do? Uh, they can go to eventbrite.com or they can email me at farmer at ulm.edu to get their tickets. Thank you, Stephen. See you soon. Thank you, Eric. Associate AD out at ULM, Stephen Farmer. Yeah, we need to get to some of these texts we've been neglecting. Ben says Josh Outlaw, offensive lineman from Tech, signed with the Colts. Yeah. Good stuff there. Um, Trent says Danny Etling to the Pats. I hope he does well. Let's hope Geis runs harder because that little signing bonus isn't going to carry him for his entire life. Go Tigers. Mm. Richie says that fourth-round pick of Rick Leonard was an F. Mm. Uh, Richie did not like that pick. And we got a couple of uh, – Daryl says, congratulations, Cedar Creek, on another softball championship and also to Oak Grove. Mm-hmm. And uh, Richie says, congratulations to the Lady Spartans on their state championship. Important for the school and its alumni. We never win anything. And Delario said, was it was anything mentioned by the SEC on the game called Saturday by the umpire in the LSU game? Worst called game I've ever seen. Wow. Again, I didn't get to watch that game, but I heard that quite a bit. A lot of people were upset with the umpire in that game. Even pulmonary. Even Palmineri, who got ejected for voicing his. Uh, William, was, uh, he heard anything on Caleb Tucker from ULM? We have not. The former uh, Washita standout. So there you go. A number of texts. Keep them coming at 888-993-7762. Your biggest takeaways from the weekend. 
All right, best moments of the draft. And first of all, we should have mentioned it earlier, Shaquem Griffin and that story and how it continues to yes. play out. Obviously, we thought he would go a lot higher than he did. He ended up, what, was it fifth, fifth round, fifth round yeah. to Seattle? He will join his twin brother. And this is what you got to love about the draft. When you see that he, that emotion coming out of these families and what it means and the, for them to be united again, to be able to mm-hmm. play on the same team, pretty darn cool. Seeing them hug after he was selected, that was a really, really cool moment. Mm-hmm. Really touching moment. And then the other thing, and you hear the stories about how he had a lot of different offers. Shaquille did, not Shaquem, to go play at Florida State, Miami, other big powers, but they weren't interested in Shaquem. So he basically turned him down to go to Central Florida so they could play together. Yeah. And I, another thing about this whole Shaquem Griffin thing, one of the cooler things to come out of that was the video of the girl, the cheerleader girl. Did you see that video? Yeah. ESPN tweeted it out. Just how it's inspired others. This this girl without an arm said she she loved uh, Shaquem Griffin. She was in like a UCF uh, cheerleading outfit and did this uh, – little flip or whatever and i just thought that was cool like just seeing how he's going to inspire all these other people a lot of uh, other great moments and of course the cool thing about the draft is the interaction with the fans and just a terrific setting and atmosphere there in jerry's world so philadelphia who do they send out there to uh, make one of their selections david akers. david akers and uh akers having a little fun with the cowboy fans we want to play this clip just how well this went off and what kind of <clears throat> You have to have to stand up on the podium and basically troll the fans. Right now, we got a kicker with a pick. The Indianapolis Colts have traded the 49th pick to the Philadelphia Eagles. To announce the Philadelphia Eagles selection, please welcome from the University of Louisville, kicker David Akers. What's up, Dad? Kickers trolling the Cowboys. Last year. I like standing up here before you as an undrafted free agent representing that shield for 15 years. Tonight, I'm representing the Philadelphia Eagles, NFC East champs, divisional champs, and <laughs> With the 49th pick in the 2018 draft, the NFL would like to represent the Philadelphia Eagles, Dallas Goddard. Oh, oh. He is the tight end from South Dakota State. Go, Birds. Go. Uh, How good was that? I love that his tone never changed (laughs) throughout the whole thing. They should have cut Eisen's mic off, though. <laughs> that was good. That was awesome. They though. should have, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to keep screaming because if I don't, it feels like I lost the argument. Uh, no, that was good, man. That was a great heel move. Yeah, that was WWE right there. That was. <laughs> perfect. Uh, one thing I want to talk about that we hadn't talked about yet, and I don't think it's been discussed too much, is Arden Key. Yeah. Arden Key going to the Raiders. Yes. So I think this is a really good fit. Mm. Now – the reason why I think it's a good fit is you've got a guy in Khalil Mack who you and I both met last year. Mm-hmm. What a great guy. Like, I know, you, you know, you can't take too much from one meeting, but, like, I was really impressed just talking to him and everything you've read about him and know about him. And he's just kind of like that soft-spoken leader uh, from what you read about him. And, it, man, he, he was impressive in person. But you get to kind of learn from him. I think that's a great role model for Arden Key. And then – you know, you look at the Raiders, who were 24th in sacks in the league. You get a guy who, you know, you can talk about all the question marks you want. He still has that ability to be an outstanding pass rusher if he gets it together. Mm-hmm. So I like the I like the pairing. I think it's going to work for both parties. LSU overall had uh, seven players drafted. Dante Jackson goes in the second round to uh, Carolina. Darius Geis goes in the second round also to the Redskins. DJ Shark from uh, Jacksonville. 
uh, goes to Jacksonville in round number two. In three, you got Arden Key heading to the Raiders. Russell Gage with, what, uh, what 30 receptions in his college career, but he finds a home in Atlanta in round number six. Danny Etling, a little bit of a surprise, does get drafted in the seventh round to the Patriots, and Will Clapp finds a new home with the Saints in the seventh round. The best was when uh, Chart got selected by the Jaguars, and Leonard Fournette just texts him, boy, you ugly. Mm. Like That's a good way of welcoming him to the team. Undrafted uh, free agents for LSU, seven overall uh, signed deals, including uh, K.J. Malone from Cedar Creek. He goes to the Texans and former Rustin standout J.D. Moore finds a home with Kansas City. You just put that in comparison, LSU with the seven drafted players. How many did Alabama have? Twelve. Uh, Twelve, yeah. I was say, I knew it was over ten. Twelve overall. Yeah. Another uh, five uh, undrafted signed free agents, including a former standout from Washita, Cam Sims, uh, with the Bengals. Uh, Lawrence Jones is yet to sign with a team, the former Neville standout. You just look around the SEC. Arkansas had two players drafted, uh, one undrafted signed free agent. Auburn had four overall, seven undrafted free agents. Florida had five, three undrafted signed free agents. Georgia had six players uh, drafted headline, of course, with the uh, uh, Rokon Smith, Smith linebacker in the first round. Uh, Kentucky, zero players drafted and one undrafted signed free agent. Not a hotbed. You didn't have to include Kentucky. Ole Miss, four. Mississippi State also had four drafted players. Tennessee had uh, three, but eight undrafted signed free agents. Texas A&M had uh, three drafted players, one undrafted player and then uh, Vandy had uh, one player drafted with six undrafted signed free agents. Charlie says Mr. Irrelevant was a good story this year with local ties. Yes. Sure was with Trey Quinn uh, being selected. The the, the storyline here and uh, our buddy Brady Renard who of course was uh, at KTV for a while. He's a sports director down at KPLC so he has the headline on his website. Trey Quinn named Mr. Irrelevant in the 2018 NFL Draft. Some uh, viewers down there, and this happens occasionally, they don't know what they're talking about. And then, of course, they think they have to fire off an email to you and bash you. So Brady shared this email that he got from a, a fan after he had the headline, Mr. Irrelevant in the 2018 NFL Draft. Way to keep it classy, KPLC. Before you go bashing a local athlete for making something of himself, remember, you're just a linky, rinky-dink, irrelevant news station. Even if Mr. Trey never reaches the fame of Drew Brees, he will have made more money and made a better life than any of you at this dinky little irrelevant news show. Ouch! <laughs> so good. How would you respond to that email? Um, do you know what... Thanks for listening to the best of The Morning Drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.